If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. Dude, it's just, um... Just me and you. It's just, yeah, it's just me and you. Pretend like Doug's not here. Just the two of us. <laughs> Just the two. We need a singer. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't sing. So what do you what do you think happened to Justin? Why is he so sick, bro? He went from uh um running just fine to like knocked out. He's bad instantly. Yeah, I hope he doesn't have the flu. Yeah, and I did I did did not want him coming in today. He almost came in today. I was like, please God, don't. No, I, I have the weakest immune system on all of you us. You and me and you both. I like I started to feel sick just knowing that. Did he you was really? Sick. Yeah, like already, like it was coming on. See, like, here's the problem. No! I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna crap you out right now. Oh no. He uh, he. We were with him probably when he was already had the virus in his body. Do you think that's right? Do you think that's how it works? Of course. Of course, you get the virus in your body, and it takes like, what do they say, Doug? 24, 48 hours before it. I don't know why I'm asking. Tell us, Doug. Dr. Doug. Yeah. <laughs> That's Not what a clue. Yeah. I don't get sick, so I don't worry I think about you it. get a virus, and it takes a certain amount of time to, uh, I'm positive. It takes, I don't know what the time is, 24, 48 hours, whatever, to turn into a full-blown illness. And so when we were with him, um, you know, he probably had this virus uh, in him and uh, and spread it you to think us. So? Don't say that. He did. He might have. Well, then, if if that's true, then why why hasn't it hit us yet? How come it hasn't hit me yet? Because he got introduced to it two days before me and you did. So me and you are just harboring this virus right now. So if we it, so if, <laughs> if your theory is correct, then we I have till tomorrow, right? Tomorrow or the day after. So here's what you gotta, need to do. I gotta make it till Saturday. Yeah, here's what you need to do. I was you, you e- need to, I was echinacea cyberian it up, dude. No, you need to get some garlic, cloves, and put and them a, in your and socks a, and a wooden cross. Put them in your socks. Put your socks on. Go to bed and then get leeches and put them right on your bonch and let Whoa. them suck out the to- the toxins <laughs> of your fudge. <laughs> and it'll remove. I read this. This is what they did in the medieval times. It was very effective. Very few people. I don't know if you know this or not. Very few people got the flu uh, in medieval times. I think I'll take the flu. I think. <laughs> I think I'll take the they flu. Got the bube- they got the bubonic, bubonic plague, <laughs> but they didn't get the flu. Yeah. So they were doing something right, I think. No, um, uh, I hope not. I hope we don't get what Justin has. See, this is the problem when you have kids, dude, is that your kids go out and they eat their fucking hands and put shit in their mouth and spit on everything and the other kids are doing it and they're just out there just collecting a bunch of shit and then they come home and then they get sick and they're your kids you can't i mean i guess you could lock them in the room and put food under the door but you don't want to do that because that's mean (laughs) yeah you got to feed them and stuff and be with them and hug them and stuff like that and you just catch everything you know what i mean kids are they carry everything they carry everything they come home from school sick they get uh it's it's why i'm scared to death to have one right now man i i I get sick every time one of you guys have been sick i get sick well you're a whore too too. you kind of kiss everybody all the time it could be something (laughs) (laughs) i put my fingers in my i suck on my thumb a lot you're a slut they could have have something to do with it no it's um no and then kids get like weird shit too like they get childhood illnesses which you're probably not familiar with you don't have kids right no no so like there's a foot and mouth disease Foot and mouth disease, like most kids will get that at one point. What and is it, what is that? It's a fucking virus that you get a fever and you get like a rash or blisters um, inside your mouth, a little bit outside your mouth and on the palms of your hand or the bottom of your feet. 
it's really weird and it's something that they they call it a childhood illness because you just get it and then you get it once and you never get it again. Has that been around like is it as long as chicken pox and all the other ones? I are- think so. And I didn't know about this till I had kids. So then I, you know, take them to the doctor, like, oh, they have, you know, hand and foot or whatever. And I'm like, what the fuck? Or is that uh, common? Yeah. Or they'll get um I don't know if, well, I don't know if I would they'll have. get another one. I forgot the name of it, where their cheeks turn really red and they get a fever. And it looks like a little, almost like a little rash on their cheeks. Yeah. Um, they call that something else. All these childhood illnesses that you get. <laughs> hey, are you, uh, what? Are you letting the beard grow out? I'm letting the, the, so here's what I'm doing. I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah. Tell me what's going on. I'm here. thinking about, um, doing a little Captain Morgan. So I'm going to keep the sides relatively short and let, you know, long but short compared to the, the mustache. And the beard area, the, the chin area. And then oh. what I'm thinking about doing, I don't know if I have the balls to do this, we'll see, is I want to grow my mustache out long enough to twist the ends. Oh, like Tate? To twist the ends. Yes. And then I want to maybe braid the chin part area. You're not going to do that. I think I might. I think it would be awesome if you did. I think I have the You know look. why? I, yes. I you do. think so? And I'm such a fan. Yes. I am Adam s- says I have the look. You do. And you and, and I'm such a fan of cheap. I'm going to put our eyeliner on too. That might be a little far. I did? Okay, no more. Yeah, I'm far. not going to do the eyeliner. I just like, uh, I'm always changing my look, like as far as, you know, growing my hair out long. Chicks do it all the time. Why can't guys do it? That's right? true. I feel like girl, the girls paint their toenails and their fingernails different colors all the time. That's they dye true. their hair different colors. It's short, it's long, it's cropped, it's highlighted, it's, it's colored, it's fucking. Yeah, they insert feathers and shit and they do yeah. all kinds of shit. Yeah, yeah. They get to change their look. What's, have- what's that one color girls do? They call it hombre? You home- know what I'm talking about? <laughs> hombre? They call, I think they call it hombre and it's where the, the bottom is light. Like the tips are just lighter color. Oh, I didn't even know yeah, that. I think it's it. called Hombre. Oh. I don't know why they call it Hombre. I feel like I should know, and you know that. I yeah. Feel, I feel like I, I don't know. <laughs> I know random shit. So, what do you, so you do, you change a lot of shit. Like right now, you've got the, the short, clean beard. Yeah, I'm doing like the, the yeah, the five o'clock shadow type mm-hmm. of deal. This mm-hmm. is probably Katrina's favorite look is, is a five o'clock shadow. Otherwise, if I shave my face, and we know when it, I'm, 225, 230-ish right now. So, Are you really? Yeah. So, <laughs> so my face. You're huge. Yeah, my face is already fat. When I'm when I'm that heavy, it's it looks like a fucking beach ball, you know. So <laughs> I I hate it when it's and then I look like a 25 year old. The only way that or the only way that you can tell that I'm older is as soon as I pull my ball cap off, and you can tell that I'm fucking thinning. Then people are like, "Oh yeah, you're not. You can't tell. You're, you're tall, tw- dude. You're not 20. Who's gonna see it? <laughs> I'm not always. Old. Sometimes I sit down, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I start carrying a hat and I just put it on when I sit down. Just put your hands on your head. <laughs> Talk to me. So, hey, bro, what's yeah. going on? No, you're not. Your face isn't that fat. It's fat, bro. It's not fat. It's, hey, I'm okay with it. It's 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 rotundish, <laughs> but it's not, it's not fat. I have a long face, so I wish I had more more fat. Because when I get really lean, I start to look gaunt. Like yeah. my face looks skeletorish. Yeah, you know what I mean. It a little, takes a lot for me to look that way. Really? I do get that way, it's, but that's like that. I am really. Good. I've never seen your face like that. Yeah, when I'm well, that's day of stage. Yeah, you have. You see me on stage. You've seen the day. Yeah, of. but your face wasn't that. Well, the last show you didn't go to my my first show. You were holding water. <laughs> your face. Your face. If I'm two percent body fat, one point five of it's in my Is face. face. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. If I got down that low, more than half of it's still in my face. You know who I bet had a kind of round face most of their life? Doug. You did, didn't you? 
I fucking knew it. That's true. Your little frown face? Round, round, for really? sure. And you know what, he Adam? He look at now. He, he doesn't, but look how young he looks. I know. That's why. Well, yeah, that's yeah. why he looks young. I squeezed out all those wrinkles for so many years yeah. for <laughs> so, being fat. No, what I'm saying is as you get older, you're, you lose that anyway. And if you have a lot to lose, like I'm going to look old as fuck. In about 15 years. I, I'm going to get the fillers, I think. I'm gonna the- <laughs> let, me, let me shoot some of my body fat into yes, your face. <laughs> yes, yeah. Just my, my cheekbones. There, no, there's some truth to that. And, and I think that's... Uh, I'm not complaining at all. I mean, I'm, uh, whatever. Like, it is uh, it is what it is. It has its benefits. When I'm, when I'm fucking 90, I'll look like I'm 60. That's great. So... Uh, <laughs> until I'm fucking 90 though I gotta deal with the big fat face so I, I tend to rock some sort of facial hair because I feel like um, I can I can almost create lines draw sharper lines so I don't have a, I see like, it with the jaw yeah I see I, I, you know, <laughs> I'm failing right no it's 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 okay you can fucking I think say. it's on the jaw <laughs> no I think it is I think you got the right angle so my so my Dick. beard my, my mustache it shapes itself like I don't grow hair here in the middle I don't grow no hair here. I don't. Oh, you weren't doing. I thought for sure you were doing. Swear to God, the, the Hitler thing on purpose. No, I don't do. I don't the Hitler thing. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Hitler had the mustache in the middle. It's the reverse Hitler. Oh, the, that's right. You're right. It's I had the reverse Hitler. The reverse Hitler. Because <laughs> yeah. I, you know, who I'm, did that? Was it Charlie Chapman? No, Charlie Chapman was like Hitler. Chaplin. Yeah, yeah, he had the Hitler. Yeah. How fucked up is that? How how? So here's one. Th- and I'm not going to say anything good about Hitler. This is what I'm going to say. <laughs> how influential do you have to be? to completely ruin a style like you're such a piece of shit that nobody will ever name their kid after you or it, never like he ruined the name adolf like nobody named who wants to name their kid adolf yeah and nobody will ever grow a mustache like that ever even though charlie chapman had it like you, you're not going to grow a hitler you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah that means he was i mean you're that bad of a person that you completely ruin a style yeah famous you know what I'm <laughs> that's saying? for sure horrible if that's what you're going for are we are we calling justin yeah, let's give it a try here. Let's call Justin. Let's I want to get him on the phone. See if we can wake him up. I think, I hope he's not. See, this is what, oh, you're the one that jacks off a lot when he's sick. So he's fine. He'll probably answer the phone now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's you. He's going to answer it all. Poor guy. He's in his little jammies, I bet. Do you know what my mom used to get me when I was sick? What? Is a, a coloring book and 7-Up every time. So to this day, like, that's my... What up? Oh, shit. You're, Justin, what's you're, up, buddy? You're alive. <laughs> Fucking barely. Man. Hey, hey. So what's going on, dude? What happened? I uh, just got like fever, like hundred and two, sweating balls and achy, and feel like death. That's pretty much it. All your uh, all your STDs flare up at one time. <laughs> That's what happened. Some <laughs> motherfucker. When yeah, that man. Hey, how's your uh, how, how's your poops? <laughs> I do. I haven't pooped, man. I haven't been able to eat anything. Oh. I haven't even been able to jerk off, man. It's that kind of fucking. Whoa! Sickness, so. Hold on a second, dude. Yeah. Um, you might want to go to the ER. <laughs> that's a bad sign. <laughs> what are you? Uh, yeah. What are you taking? Uh, what did you say? Elderberry. I've only been taking ibuprofen and. Drinking a lot of water and stuff. I gotta make a trip out. I haven't even been outside yet today. I knew you didn't do what I told you. God damn! I should have brought it to you. <laughs> you wouldn't be sick today if you did what I told you. What? Uh, what? Oh, what? My, what, damn ne- it. what Netflix show are you watching? 
Dude, I'm watching Tony Robbins right now, actually. Oh, we were just talking about that. That's so funny. So I haven't seen it yet. Sal- really? Yeah, Sal- bro, is it good? Oh, or- it's fucking good, dude. I, I cried twice. I, I cried too, man. This is bullshit. I don't cry. <laughs> yeah. Hold on a second. Hold you know on what I, mean? that I feel like I'm vulnerable because I'm sick. <laughs> Hold on. Did you really cry? Did it really make you emotional for reals now? Yeah, for reals. Get it's the crazy, fuck- man. So here's the thing. I want to watch... So uh, uh, I've been told many, many times that I remind people of him. In no way am I saying that I'm anywhere. The guy's a, he's a he's probably one of, if not the best speaker. So um, you haven't made me cry yet. <laughs> well, I'm, I was going to say you're not I, that good. I can make you cry. We're actually no. What calling, I was going to say is we're I want to give you an, we're calling to give you an intervention right now. Yeah, actually, this yeah. is a this is a pizza intervention. Yeah, <laughs> you eat too much pizza. We're going to make. You cry. <laughs> no, I want I want to watch suckers. <laughs> I want to watch the uh, the uh, him speak because I want to learn, you know how how he's so effective when he speaks because I don't think it's what he says; it's how he says it. Am I am I right? Oh uh, yeah, for sure. He just. I mean, he's a really deep dude. You know, he he just like cuts right through people's bullshit immediately. So he, he you just see these people just crumble in like two seconds. Oh shit! I want to check yeah. it out. <gasps> it's coming! It is there. It is. Is being brought to you by Chimera Coffee. It's the only coffee that is infused with all natural nootropics for a cleaner, calmer, and more focused buzz without the crash. Click the Chimera link at mindpumpmedia.com and input the discount code MINDPUMP at checkout for 10% off. It's the motherfucking quad. The eagle has landed. Quiqua. <laughs> All right, Dougie, Dougie Fresh, bring it to us. Come on. But, oh, before you grab my ass cheek. Yeah, go ahead. Get, get, read the questions, Doug. Let's let's get into the shit. J- All right, uh, Justin, give us some sort of a code word too. If you got to go take a shit or something, diarrhea or something crazy like that, let us know. <laughs> no, he's got a cell All phone. Right. He's you'll gonna take you'll it probably with him. just hear it on the other end. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Nothing that's, muted out. Yeah. yeah, excellent. Raw truth. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah, yeah. Our first sure. question is from DS French. What exercises have indicators of full range of motion being met? such as a butt wink with squats. So this question's interesting. So he's saying how do you know when you've hit your full range of motion uh within an exercise and he's using the butt wink as an example mm. of when he, he thinks, you know, the 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 end range of motion with the squat may be. Now, uh this is a bad example only because it's actually pretty hotly contested right now, right? Yeah, yeah. About whether or not a butt wink means you're you went down too far or whether it's okay uh to go down that far so i don't necessarily want to use that example because i could see that argument going in either direction for me personally mm-hmm. when i'm doing when i'm looking at full range of motion i the goal is to you to go with as far range of motion as i possibly can under good control and strength I, at, at no moment do i want to feel like i lose stability or I lose form, or I feel like my joint moves out of its proper position, um, and then and that tells me that I went too far. So, for example, if I'm doing um, if I'm doing a chest fly, that's a good one because a chest fly you can really some people have an amazing range of motion. I come down as low as I possibly can before I start to feel, uh, in my case, uh, external rotation of my humerus before I feel my hands start to rotate out and I start to feel it more in my shoulder joint. And that's when I know personally that I've gone too far with that particular movement. With the squat, 
if I go down too low, I notice that my knees might start to travel, you know, uh, start to, you know, uh, adduct or adduct, uh, you know, in or out at the bottom of the movement, or I feel like I lose control and I have to like, you know, all of a sudden brace my, my core differently because I went too, too mm-hmm. low. So for me personally, it's basically, I'm always trying to aim for that full range of motion, but, uh, it has to be under control. Um, and stable. Well, I think too, when he's looking for indicators, right? A full yeah. range of motion. And it's too hard to answer that because everybody's going to be different. Yeah. Like yeah. R- range of motion for everybody is going to be different based off of how their, their anatomy is. So, um, I, I think the field test is probably the best of what you're saying right now, which is, you know, if you're, whatever you're working. So let's say we're working chest, you know, Sal talked about, you know, the rotation in his shoulder and, and feeling it, you know, you know, as humorous as he comes back. But I mean, that's to me, as soon as you stop to feel it in your chest and other secondary muscles start to kick in, this is normally, especially on like if you're decelerating in the chest, like I'm getting ready, I'm working the negative, the, the barbell is coming down. And okay, at what point am I at full range of motion? Well, I feel chest, 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 chest. Oh, now I feel everything. I can feel more of me squeezing my back now than I can feel in my chest anymore. I've gone through full range of motion at that point. So, you know, once you start to feel uh, other secondary muscles to kick in, uh, is normally an indicator too that you've taken that through full range of motion. I would, I would say probably between the three of us, if we were to measure overall mobility, I think Justin probably is the best um, uh, for for and, and overall. Well, it right? takes a lot of work. Yeah, like it, it's it's something that like people have to really work towards uh, maintaining proper tension, even when you're going. Mm. Uh, through that 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 lower depth uh so you have to you have to pay attention to all the signals that are coming back to you like you know whether it's pain or or shakiness or you know you're you're somewhat unsupported in that um you just have to gradually sort of work at it and uh, and get it to respond better so justin when you because your your shoulder mobility is fantastic and especially when you do something like a windmill or a Turkish getup. I've seen you demonstrate those. It's the reason why, when we demonstrated um, a lot of those movements in our programs, uh, we used you because your mobility and those movements are so good. But I, it, pro- it wasn't always that way, was it? Was your shoulder mobility always like that? No, no, yeah, absolutely not. It, it actually, I, I was guilty of of bench pressing quite a lot, and um, I got to a point where I would, I would hit this spot where. I mean, I couldn't get any significant range of motion with my shoulder because I would have so much pain. And my answer to that was always to like, you know, just to back off for a bit, come back and just keep, keep adding load gradually, uh, instead of addressing it as a mobility issue, something I need to, uh, actively work on my joint and, uh, support it better. So once I, once I kind of just switched gears and, and really focused on, um, you know, the health of my shoulder and like the ability of it, as far as like movements concerned, it, it accelerated all the rest of my lifts and helped put me in uh, better position. So yeah, I could, I could do that kind of stuff. Would you guys, uh, would you guys agree that um, it's in terms of gains? Okay. Cause we talk a lot about mobility and moving better, but I know a lot of our listeners are more motivated by gains, muscle gains, fat loss, right? So when they say mobility, like, I don't care, I move fine. I want to do what's going to get me 
faster results. Would you guys agree that if you had a client that they're going to get better gains, forget about mobility, better gains by going lighter and training within fuller ranges of motion versus going heavier and training in shorter ranges of motion? Over long absolutely. term, absolutely for sure, absolutely, yeah, yeah. That's that's my experience, one hundred percent. I experienced, especially long term. If you compare short term, if it was like a two week study, and you said, okay, these people that are working on full range of motion and, and their mobility, lightweight versus this person who's maxing out time, well, because you shock the shit of the body and go that you might see more more, you know, gain right then and there. But long term, you you do a study that's you know four, six, eight, six months out. Oh. Hands down. See, like for Hands me, down. for me, like I notice. So, when I use myself as an example for training, I like to uh, I like to look at um, the body parts that I've struggled with. Because if I look at the body parts that, like, if I look at my legs, uh, my legs respond to anything. I could probably have big legs just leg pressing or even Smith machine squatting. Things that we always against. But like my chest, for example, or my calves, areas that that notoriously on my body don't respond well. Um, I exaggerate ranges of motion because uh, when I do that and when I did that in the past, that's when I noticed like growth. You know what I mean? Like in my chest, uh, for years, I would stop, you know, three, four inches short of my chest on my presses or my incline presses. Like I wouldn't go all the way down to my collarbone. I'd stop at my chin because yeah. we were trained that way. And there was a point where I just decided, like, I'm going to go full range of motion. I had to back off on all my weights. And sure enough, I saw muscle gain from that. And that and that's compared to before where I was just going heavy all the time. Same thing with my calves. Like with my calves, if I exaggerate the stretch and the squeeze, uh, of course, with under control. Again, if I want to be clear before I continue, if you're going for longer uh, ranges of motion, you have to do them under control because if you don't, if you're mm-hmm. not careful, you will hurt yourself. Not maybe it's going to happen. Well, and this is why we were taught as trainers. This is why what we're saying is contradicting yeah. to any. So, if you have trainers that are listening right now, you know all your certifications out there. A lot of the exercises that, bring that up. yeah, a lot of the exercises that we do and perform um, are are contradicting to what we learned in our certifications. And you know, when you're when you're getting a national certification, it's going to it's going to bode more on the you know, safety side first, uh, opposed to results or what's ideal for the body. Well, yeah, ideally is full range of motion, but there, when, when you talk about over 80% of the, uh, the population, uh, suffers from some sort of either upper or lower cross syndrome, uh, they're already in a compromising position, uh, anatomically. So, you know, it's safer for us to go just down to 90 degrees or only go down to where your elbows are parallel to this. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that that's how we've always been taught for safety. But in reality, that's the idea is to get the, that body to work through full range of motion. All those. Don't you feel, yeah, don't you feel now too that like if you were to start training again with all those parameters you've learned from like your certifications, like how differently you would approach each person just because like, like you had mentioned all these like uh, upper cross and like uh, uh, all these things that people um, have, you know, that are limiting as far as like how they even move. I feel like a lot of those parameters were set in place to be able to take them through like a regular workout, you know? And so it's something that's not going to be too damaging as far as uh, their joints, but they're actually building, you know, bad patterns in my opinion. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I think I think when they design these certifications, 
they looked at safety um, and ease of training. In other words, like we're teaching all these trainers how to train people, and many of these trainers have never been trainers before. So this is their first certification. They may have experience exercising. Some of them, believe it or not, may not. So we're going to teach this in a way that's easy for them to learn and apply. Because if I was teaching trainers how to train people, it would be it's. There's a lot more. Poor Justin. There's a lot more uh, training that's involved uh, and teaching. If I'm training teach uh, uh, trainers on how to get people through full range of motion, there's a lot more shit involved, and it takes a lot more than you know a couple courses and then you know. Well, yeah, because and that's let's be honest, right? Yeah. I mean, if you had you talk about, of course, any of us, if you were to start all over again with all the knowledge you have, the way you train a client is so different now than what it was compared so to. So different, but you also. You don't have the same kind of knowledge. So just just recently, this was just I think two or three days ago. I'm training a client. Um, I had planned to do th- all these different moves with her. She we sit down and do one thing, and I notice that her body uh, having trouble. I can just see by her posture the way she's sitting, and and I start asking, getting feedback from her on what she feels, what she notices, what I see. And then I'm like, I see how tight she is, and I'm like, oh man, we need to do this, you know. And then you automatically shift over to addressing the issue that she has because that now becomes a priority. You know, even though today was squat day and, you know, bench this and do all these exercises and we're on phase whatever of maps, but you got an issue going on with your body right now. This now has become a priority. And I know how to address that where, you know, in the past I'd probably be a little uncertain, you know, or, and or less confident in, you know, what's exactly wrong with them and how I can help them. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that is just, you know, flat out experience of doing this for so many years and so many clients of all the different things that could be possibly wrong. Well, I got, I got this, uh, I got a client just, just, just recently, um, who I've now only been working with. It's been less than a year, definitely. So probably six months. I think I've been working with him. He's in his sixties. Um, and he, he had uh, poor shoulder mobility and poor tracking of, of his humerus. And so it was hard for him to reach straight up above his head. And believe it or not, uh, ladies and gentlemen listening, if you take somebody who's over the age of 50, uh, or even sometimes people in their 30s, see how straight they can get their arm above their head without having to lean back, stick their chest out, or mm-hmm. really, really arch their back. You'll be surprised. Very few people can get their arm straight up or even slightly behind their their head. Oh, I can. And he was really bad. He couldn't get up there at all. He was almost it was almost like he was doing a little bit straighter than what an inclined chest press would be. Well, 6 months later now, he's doing full range of motion shoulder presses with 15-pound dumbbells, which doesn't sound heavy, but again, he couldn't do that with no weight. He couldn't do that with just his hand. He's been dealing nice. with and he's been dealing with shoulder problems for over 20 years. This is a guy who came to me who is completely convinced 100% or accepted the fact that he will never he will never have good shoulders. He's always going to have shoulder problems. And so when I talk to him and like I do like many times when you talk to clients, they tell you um well, you know, I just have a bad shoulder. Like I've accepted it. Like this is just how my shoulder is and right. it's just the way I'm going to be. And um y- you know, 6 months later after 20 years of not being able to reach above his head with a straight arm, this guy now is pressing dumbbells and has real tall, controlled posture, activated core, doesn't have to overarch his back, doesn't have to lean back, um, has no more shoulder problems. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty fucking dramatic. And really, it was all, it was all it was was just 
changing recruitment patterns. That's, I mean, really, it just boils down to that. So when yeah. it comes to full range of motion, if you can move in a very full range of motion under control with good tension, like Justin was saying, where everything feels activated, the joints moving well, you've got good form, then that's where you should go. If your range of motion is short and you're using 200 pounds on an exercise, go down to 120 pounds. I mean, you got to drop it quite a bit, exaggerate that range of motion with perfect form, and then get stronger with excuse me, get stronger within that new range of motion. I tell you what, I tell you what. Check this out. If I could if I could squat 200 pounds at parallel, okay? And I have to go down to 120 pounds to squat three inches below parallel with good form. I'm going to be able to get my squat, that full squat, to 200 pounds pretty quick because I can pretty much handle 200 pounds within most of that range of motion. It's just that last three inches. So in reality, if I focus on that last three inches and I get my 120 pounds up to 200 pounds, honest to God, it's not going to take you that long because most of that range of motion, I can handle 200 pounds. However, the gains I'm going to see in a short period of time are going to blow me away. It's going to be like huge gains in a short period of time. So this is a, this is a technique that everybody listening should take advantage of. Pick an exercise and start to do this, and you'll get that strength back really, really quickly but well, within I, that new range of motion. I really feel like this is what... Got to put in that last three inches, you know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, yeah. yeah, he's still got it. <laughs> I, uh, <coughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, re- I really feel like this is what I mean. This is what Green is all about. You know, Green is like Maps performance. Yeah, when you go into Maps performance, it is it is not about the weight you're lifting. It's about you performing this exercise yep. and performing it with excellent form through full range of motion. And it's very challenging because there's a lot of exercises that are multi-planar and stuff that you're not used to doing inside uh-huh. the gym, not a lot of standard movements. So it really challenges you and it challenges you not only physically, but mentally to stay disciplined to the new adaptation. My new adaptate, my new focus is working on this range of motion, working on better mobility and, and it's not about how much I'm currently... Now, of course, it's going to benefit that. Of course, you're going to see the gains. Of course, it's all going to come come after you go through it. But that's not the focus. And I think it's hard for a lot of people to switch that mindset because we, we are so PR-driven or you know everyone's going to talk about their squat or this or their bench press or I'm doing this or I'm doing that. Like I, I celebrate more like, dude, the other day, like I could actually do a narrow stance and squat all the way down. Like, it's not like how much, well, it doesn't really matter. I could move that. I could move my body down there. Like that's a big deal for me. That's a, that's such a huge win, you know, and and it's, it's not, it's not a big deal that I can, how much of it I can move down there. It's that I'm now able to move in full range of motion with good, good form, good posture controlled with that kind of depth. Well, I'm glad you brought up uh, uh, mass performance because it's not, (laughs) it's not just full range of motion. Like I'm talking about, Um, there are specific movements uh, quite a few of them. There's probably over a hundred movements in that program that are specifically designed to help you get to that point. So it's not just about yes, a very basic, simple way would be to take your squat and your bench press or whatever, and to just get within better ranges of motion. Um, but there are specific movements that help with that that are not popular at all. Many of many of which you, if you're listening and you've worked out for ten years, I guarantee. There's a lot of majority of the movements you're going to see on that. You're going to look at and be like, I've never seen these before. Um, They're just not popular um, because it's not your traditional movements. However, they will contribute tremendously to your ability to lift uh, heavier weights with those traditional movements. Nice. Moving along, Doug. 
Metabolic Damage 911 has a two-part question. Is it okay to do a keto-type diet when reverse dieting? And how do you know when you're done reverse dieting? Okay, so uh, let's define reverse dieting first. Reverse dieting is the concept. Uh, it was popularized by the uh, by the physique, bodybuilder, figure, bikini uh, world or, or stage presentation world where they dieted so hard to get ultra ripped or ultra lean that they want to come out of that. And rather than doing what a lot of people do, which is they just binge eat and, you know, go from eating, you know, 1500 calories a day to now I'm just going to eat three, 4,000 calories a day because I'm, I'm over dieting. I, I already competed and I'm just going to pig out. What they did was they found that it was better for the body and healthier if they slowly ramped out of it. So 1500 calories a day. Now I'm going to eat, you know, 1800 and then 2000 and 2500 to work their way up. Um, it also started becoming popular to define how to get out of metabolic damage or what's known as uh, adaptive thermogenesis. And this is where when you've been dieting, uh, excessively dieting for a long time, excessively working out for a long time, your body's metabolism will start to adapt downward to where you're burning less and less calories and you get to the point where you've actually slowed your metabolism down a significant amount. And the way to come out of that, one of the strategies is to slowly increase your calories alongside uh, good traditional strength training. So you're giving your body the signal that it needs to and it can speed its metabolism up. So you're, you're slowly increasing calories, trying to get stronger. You're doing it very slowly so that you're not gaining lots of body fat. And then the goal at the end of this is awesome. Before I maintained you know, my body weight at 1,500 calories, now I can eat 1,800 calories or 2,000 calories. And I'm not getting any fatter, so I've, I've effectively sped up my metabolism. So the question is, can you do this with a keto diet? I don't know of any studies uh, that show that there's a difference. I think ultimately, um, and Adam has a lot more experience with this than I do. I actually think it's an excellent strategy. Do you? Yeah, because you're extremely uh, carb sensitive after after getting ready for a show. Oh, or cutting that's a, a great point. So insulin sensitivity yeah, is high. Yeah, insulin sensitivity is extremely high. So running a keto keto diet where you're virtually eating little to no carbohydrates whatsoever, I think would bode well with um, you increasing your caloric intake and inching it up. So yeah, so let's so you would go from fifteen hundred to two thousand calories, but you're keto, so your carbs are still very low. Yeah, Adam makes a great point because when you're most people when they this diet, this is real all hard, theory because, like Sal said, I don't know any studies about this, but it, it's to me it's pretty. I don't know. It seems kind of obvious. That well, that I don't would know be, about you. Smart strategy. I don't know about you guys, but uh, because I eat so low carb most of the time, when I do eat carbs. I respond very quickly to them. Oh, so do I now. And when we brought this up, we had an episode. If you haven't listened to it yet, you should check it out, uh, where we interviewed Dom Diagostino, who's one of the, the leading researchers on you know, the ketone bodies and ketogenic diets. And he and Adam had brought up how he went ketogenic for a while, and then he started introducing carbs, and how he only needs 150 grams of carbs to, quote unquote, fill his muscles out, whereas before he would need three or 400 grams. And Dom Diagostino said... It's because his insulin sensitivity has, has gotten much, much better. So that makes sense. If you're coming out of your hardcore diet or your diet and your metabolism is real low and you bump your calories and you make it mostly carbs, that might promote fat storage more than if you went keto. Yes. Does that, that makes total sense to me. So I think going keto on a reverse diet is is an excellent strategy, yeah. especially if you enjoy eating that way. Because really, that that's what matters most, right? I think we've talked about this before with exercise or anything that you do, like you know, consistency becomes... 
uh, more important than anything else. So if you're, you know, following a plan or a structure of you're slowly increasing by, you know, a hundred, a hundred, hundred calories or so every few weeks, um, you know, doing it through, uh, through fats, I think is a, is a much better strategy than through, uh, carbohydrates. Um, it's, and also like, how do you know when your reverse dieting is done? I mean, that's really up to you. I would say when you get to a point where, you you like your your caloric intake where it's it's what, very realistic. What about when your body starts like gaining more too much body fat? You know what I mean? Like oh now I know well, my calories are too. Well, high. I don't I don't necessarily know if that means that's your reverse diet is done. That could mean you just have you're over consuming currently. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Because if you're continuing to strength train, right? If you're continuing to strength strength train, first of all, for every pound of muscle, and these these are. Uh, there's lots of studies out on the numbers, so don't be like precise with these numbers. But you speed your metabolism. When say say speed your metabolism, your body needs more more calories to sustain that lean body mass on there. And the, they've estimated it from anywhere as low as you know 20 calories to 60 calories per day per pound of body weight. So mm-hmm. you know basically, if you add five pounds of muscle to your body, your body now is burning an additional two to three hundred calories a day. Sure. So. If that's if that's true, then if you continue lifting weights and you're increasing your calories, you should be able to over time continually to build up your caloric intake to where you can consume more. It really comes down to you know where do you want to be at? You know, like are you eating? Are you now to a point where twenty, let's say twenty five hundred calories, you're not gaining any fat, you're not losing any weight? It's kind of like homeostasis for you. Are you happy there? Is that a manageable place for you? And if it's not manageable and you feel you need more leeway, more room, well, then go build some more muscle. Build some more muscle. Continue reverse dieting. Just focus and, on the strength. Yeah, until you get to a point where you're satisfied. Now, uh, but I, I mean, your your our metabolism. People don't realize that. The metabolism is a free flowing thing. It's not like this linear, uh, you know, you're you're building your your metabolism and it's just it's getting better, 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 and then it'll never see a dip or a plateau. Like it will dip, it will plateau. You'll probably even take some steps back a little bit, but ultimately you can continue to build a, a metabolism. It's not like something. It just, you know, you like I said, it's not linear. You know, so by the way, you know, Justin, I know you you've got a little bit of a cough over there. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. So, so um, this is actually proven. So, when you go to the store, I know you're going to get some elderberry and all that stuff. Um, yeah. No, no joke. Now they've found that laxatives uh, stop people coughing. What are you doing to me, Sal? <laughs> so, listen. Go to the store, <laughs> buy a laxative, and take. So do- I can have a fever and shit my pants. No, no, no. <laughs> you take. Just you, you need to trust me. Take twice the effective dose. Famous, hey. famous last words. Take twice the effective no- dose of the laxative, and I promise you, you'll be too scared to cough. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. Right. Next, next question. I had like a dumb joke I was going to say about reverse dieting, about it being like in in the other orifice or something. I had like nothing to contribute to that. Uh, so there you go. Rather than eating food through your mouth, you just put it up your butt. Yeah, that's reverse dieting. Come on. <laughs> You just want to put things in your butt. <laughs> any, any, excuse, any excuse any for that? <laughs> Skylar Prey is asking. <laughs> Skylar Prey is asking, how frequently should you weigh yourself during a deficit, and when should you weigh yourself? So there's a couple. There's a there's a couple schools of thought with this. Yeah, I'm, um, let's hear these. Here. One school of thought says uh, don't weigh yourself too frequently because some people get so caught up on the scale that it. Uh, it ruins uh, uh, the, either the relationship with food 
or it can cause binging and per you know where people don't want to eat a lot and they eat a lot it can cause um mixed signals i have look uh you can hold a few pounds of water or lose a few pounds of water depending on what you've done with your diet women especially will go through this so if they weigh themselves every single day and let's say they just started their period or whatever or next you know i gained three pounds sal but i've been eating really well and they freak out over it so there's there's that school of thought that says don't weigh yourself super frequently maybe do it once a week and then there's a school of thought well that where, do you, where do you lean towards why don't you share for what, my own yeah, yeah per, or in clients like you know so i so it depends on the client so if i have a client that i can see has a has issues with the scale Sometimes I tell them not to weigh themselves at all, and I give them other parameters uh, of judging how well they're doing, like how they feel, how their clothes fit. Um, you know, we'll use circumference measurements. Uh, myself personally, I weigh myself every single day, and I do it at exactly the same time every single day, so that it's it's a clear parameter. However, I also understand um, how I can hold or lose water, so I know if I have you know. Yesterday I had, you know, a lot more sodium or if I had more carbohydrates, I know today I'm going to weigh at least a couple pounds heavier. When I do my mini bulk and mini cuts, um, my weight fluctuates throughout the week as much as three or four pounds. I'm always, if I'm trying to get leaner, I'm trending downwards, but it'll definitely fluctuate that much. Um, And here's the thing, if if you do weigh yourself frequently, do it at the exact same time every single day. You're probably best... In the morning, uh, before you've eaten anything, before you've done anything, and just to be consistent so that you're not weighing food that you may have ate or or, or whatever. Um, but I think, uh, Adam, you probably use this, but you 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 count everything, right? You look well, at everything you've done. Yeah, so I, I like this question because I know we all, and I love that you address that there's, there's different schools of thought here because we all are a little bit different. I think, I think we all are different personally, like how we track our weight and things like that. And I think we, uh, address clients, uh, different with this situation. And I, and I also think that I I've changed a lot in this area. I think when I was listening to you talk about how you are with clients, I believe this is, that's exactly how I was. I would really feel the client out. I used to have some clients that were just terrified of the scale and, you know, I'd have them way backwards. So they wouldn't, they didn't look at the scale because I just wanted them to know that I wanted to know for, you know, tracking things, but it wasn't important and you don't need to know. And so let's just get on there. You turn around backwards. So I had that. I, and then I had some that I absolutely just wouldn't weigh whatsoever because that wasn't a priority or goal. We didn't care about weight. And, you know, so definitely I feel I'd done that now. How I coach and train now is actually totally different. And I, and I attribute a lot of that to, um, competing. When I got into competing and I was forced to track and I was forced to see that I learned so much about myself and I overcame some major, um, I don't want to say demons. I feel like that's a hurdles. Yeah. Some major hurdles, uh, with understanding why my body was fluctuating or moving. And, you know, I sure I had ideas because I understood science and I understood sodium, I understood water, but never to the point where I was tracking. I've gotten to the point now where, like I, I've tracked so much and detailed so much, or in detail with me myself and clients of all different body types, that you can move up or down the scale the slightest bit, and I will have the answer why. And so now, when I coach you, your first three months, you're weighing every day, morning and night with me, and that sounds crazy, right? It sounds neural, and I would never tell that to a person like do this for, but when you, when you hire me 
part of my little spiel when you first sit down is like, this is like going to be like going to school for the next 90 days. You're not, I'm not just going to get you to your goals or teach you how to get there. But when you're done with me, I'm going to have taught you so much about your body metabolism and how it responds to foods and water and sodium and all these things. So I need you to do these things for me every single day for 90 days. And during that time, you know, we're going to have, we're going to have a few periods if we're a girl, we're going to have, we're going to have some, probably someone's going to get sick and they have to take antibiotics one time. Sometime you're going to uh, drink, you know, a good 50 to 60 more ounces of water than you did the day before. Some days you're going to eat out and you're going to consume two to 3000 more milligrams of sodium the other day. And I will be able to tell you what your scale weight because i'm watching it every day will be the the next you're like day. the analytics guy yeah I, for sure and i like to show yeah, people that yeah because, more data the better because once once you've gone through this with me you have all of a sudden you stop worrying about the scale because you know you and you know it's mm, going to go up that's an excellent point you know it's going to go up a pound or two because you know you just had two thousand more milligrams you've taken the mystery out of it completely. exactly there's no more yeah. you know and we, as trainers we're taught to teach the people that you know, hey, you know, that's not fat. You can't possibly put a, a pound of fat on, you know, when you only ate 1,500 calories yesterday. It's just impossible. So don't don't stress the pound and a half you see on the scale. But they still stress it. And that's not enough for them. Where now I can, sh- I can show you the science. I can say, look at yesterday you ate 2,000 more milligrams of sodium. Because you had 2,000 more milligrams of sodium, you also took in 30 more ounces of water. Water and sodium pairs together along with carbohydrates. So not only did you eat, drink more water, you also had more sodium. That's why we weigh 1.25 pounds more of water. Now watch what happens when we drop our sodium back and your water goes back to your normal amount in the next two to three days. Watch your weight level, and it does. It levels right out, but it takes about two or three days. Mm. But now that I can address that and I can show them that, the, it, it starts to take that mystery of way of why you're going up and down. They're so much more aware of it, and they, they learn what to focus now on and not to worry about the scale. So ironically, I make you, I make you neurotic about weighing you know, at first. Go ahead, Justin. How do you, oh, how do you guys feel? Because like, I've kind of gone back and forth with that weighing, with using that with clients and stuff, and I usually – tend to be like seller i'll kind of just feel it out a lot but i used to just focus primarily more on like hydrostatic weighing and trying to divert their attention more to body fat as far as that being the uh the concern and then also like taking pictures um you know periodically during the week just so they could see themselves in the same uh like frame so you can you can see all these little nuance uh, gains or losses or all those types of things. Um, but that's, I mean, that was one way I would, I would try to get them to focus on like, you know, your body, it, it, it fluctuates. You know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. Like Adam, I feel like he's taking it to another level. He's definitely like going to be able to show you all these, you know, live fix and, you know, you have to do your homework. Uh, but that, I mean, that's a valuable thing for people to be educated with. Well, you're 100% though, because I didn't even mention that that's part of the deal too is, so every day you're, we're, you're tracking all those numbers from me, your water, your weight, morning, night, food, all that stuff. And then on top of that, once a week, I have you take a picture of yourself at the same time in three angles, front, side, back, and you know, the same outfit, whatever, and same day, same time every, every week. That way we have a reference that we can look back after. And always, you know, three, four weeks in, you're, you you got training with me and, you know, your scale weight hasn't changed that much. 
But then we go back and we look at, I can explain to them, well, look at we're we're eating 200 more calories a day. Your scale is exactly the same. And look at your pictures between those 14 days. And you would not have known that. had. And the average person would have looked at those two weeks as probably a failure. And in reality, that person is perfect. Their progress is yeah. excellent. They have visible change in two weeks. They're eating 200 more calories a day, and they haven't put on a body, pound of body fat. In fact, they look leaner when you compare their pictures. I mean, when you when you can right. show that to somebody. Uh, so, and, and now, I tell you what, I didn't do that until Instagram. Instagram is what made me add that to my arsenal. I never was like, oh, you have to take a picture of yourself. Once I saw, once I saw what it did for me, once again, it held, I held, it held me accountable. I was taking pictures every single day because of social media bullshit. And then I started looking at it. I'd get discouraged that even myself, even with what I know and, and everything, I would, I'd still get discouraged after a few weeks. And then I would look back and I'd be like, oh, well, shit. I mean, I can't get that discouraged because I am, I'm a lot better than what I was three months ago. I've just, I'm in a little rut right now. And so it really opened my eyes on the importance of that and teaching that to my clients is, you know, th- it helps them when they can see a visual picture of themselves and realize I am changing. And it, this is just a journey and it's a process and it's not a quick process. Jake X Walker while in a dieting phase, many gurus suggest full on strength training because it's the only signal that tells the body to retain active muscle. So I've heard this before. So, so have I. I'm so, really interested to hear what you have to say about this. Yeah, so so what some of these fitness gurus say is when you're dieting or when you're when you're in a calorie deficit, um, you should focus all your efforts on pure strength training since that's the the main signal that tells your body that you need this muscle. You need this muscle or you want to build muscle. And so the theory is that pure strength training during this period of, of dieting will minimize uh, any muscle loss because you're telling your body again that you need this muscle. Now, here's there's definitely a lot of truth in this, but here's where I'm going to uh, be a little different. If I always train in strength training, if that's constantly where uh, I'm working out, and then I start to go into a cutting, you know, dieting phase. Which I want to mention because we didn't write it all. Doug couldn't write it all on the board. Was he's actually, he's in a point. He's at a point where he's transitioning to um, like our phase three, oh, where higher okay. repetitions, low uh, lower weight, and he's in the middle of a and getting ready to go into a deficit and cut. So he's like wondering, is it would it be best? for him to stay training in strength while he's doing a mini cut. Okay, so here's here let's be very clear, okay? There's definitely ways of training that does not promote muscle growth and there are ways of promoting muscle growth. If I took the rep ranges that you could build muscle under um, with proper programming, you're looking at reps 1 to maybe 25, literally. You could build muscle with 25 reps, which is high, and you can build muscle with one rep, which is very, very low. The difference is how when are you implementing them? If I always train in the super strength you know, training phase, and then I start dieting, and then I switch my workout to 15 reps, um, I'm sending a very good muscle building signal because I've switched up my workouts. If I stay in that strength training phase all the time and I never come out of it, I don't care if you're dieting or you're not. Uh, that's that build muscle signal is going to start to dampen your body starts to learn and starts to adapt. This is why uh, our maps programs are broken up into phases and I'll use maps anabolic or what we call red um, as a prime example since that is our foundational program. 
it's broken up roughly. I'll give you a rough synopsis. It's broken up into three phases, and phase one is your traditional strength phase where you're doing one to five reps. You're doing lots of sets of very few exercises. Phase two would be more of your traditional you know, resistance training phase where you're eight to 12 reps and you're doing straight sets and you're doing more exercises, maybe less sets per exercise. And then phase three is again, a bodybuilding style phase, but it's, it's, it's higher reps. You're doing supersets. You're doing a faster pace. You're getting more of a pump. All of those phases build muscle. Every single one of those phases will send a build muscle signal to your body and getting stuck in any one of those phases for too long will make you lose that muscle building signal. So when they say you got to do just pure strength training when you're dieting, well, if you're not strength training or pure strength training, and then you start dieting and you go into strength training, yeah, you're sending a very loud muscle building signal. But if you're always in that phase and you start dieting and you stay in that phase... It's not that much louder. It's not that... Yeah, it's not going to make a huge difference. That's why, you know... when I when I see studies like that, right away, like yeah, like how long is a study? Instantly, I'm skeptical. Yeah, of it's it, like right? twelve weeks. Right? Yeah, right away, I, That's I'm, I tell you, I'm skeptical of it because to say that I think is so it's too tough to say that. I I love a per, this is a personal strategy I use. Um, anytime I'm I'm transitioning in or out of a phase, I love to change my diet too because I feel like I get the greatest change that way. Mm. I'm changing a new I'm changing a new adaptation for my body as far as training and I'm also switching the diet another direction at the same time. So I feel like I it gives me more response, which I don't know I don't it's all anecdotal. I don't have any studies to prove uh that it does cause it. Once again, it just makes logical sense to me if I'm switching my you know, training adaptation. I'm also changing the diet. I'm probably going to see greater change than had if I just done a, you know, different uh, uh, weight tr- training routine and stayed with the same diet. Right? It just makes logical sense because just changing your training program, your body. It's a new adaptation. The body is going to have to try and figure that out. It's going to change for that. So that's one thing. But then also adding in, okay, now I'm manipulating my diet too. You're you're throwing another a, a bigger curveball or a louder signal to the body to adapt and change. So uh, for me, I, I think it, that that becomes a bigger deal than actually uh, worrying about okay, am I lifting the five rep range because now I'm in a cutting? I think that's just saying if you were to compare zero zero. You know, someone who lifts five reps versus someone who does 15, yes, the five reps is technically a louder signal, right? That mm. your amplifier is yeah. and you're pushing more wattage to your speakers, you know, f- to do five. So, of course, it's a louder signal in comparison to 15 to 25 repetitions. But like you said, if somebody has been training for f- the five to ep- eight rep range for the last two months, well, guess what? Shooting over, uh, switching over to 15 to 20 reps is going to send a louder, better signal and more and will promote more change. Yeah. Most so studies will show consistently, consistently that the best rep range to build muscle is between eight to twelve reps. However, these studies are eight weeks, twelve weeks, maybe sixteen weeks long at the longest. And if you compare head to head, you know, one to five reps, you know, eight to twelve reps, and fifteen to twenty reps, and you only do eight weeks or twelve weeks, yes. And you take a bunch of people who either don't work out, work out, whatever, yes, you'll see more gains. But if you measure them over the course of a year and you compare uh, people who phase their workouts through different phases versus someone who stays in that muscle building you know, range of 8 to 12, the person who phases is going to build uh, more muscle. 
So you need to uh, you, you have to your best results are going to come from phasing because reality is all those rep ranges send a muscle building signal and staying in any one of them for too long is not going to be well uh, this super effective. This reminds me of the first time that my my paradigm was ever shattered was uh, you know I was the skinny kid trying to build muscle and it, all the magazines were telling me I needed to lift you know like four to six reps. Right. You know, four to six reps if you wanted to get big. Like, that's what you lift. So, literally, for, like, years, I lifted that way. I lifted four to six reps. I don't think I ever saw eight or more reps. And I then later on became a personal trainer and started realizing, like, oh, shit. No, there's an importance to me working in the 8 to 15 range, even if I am a skinny guy who wants to get bigger. And I'll never forget switching to 15 repetitions, and I blew up. Like, my body just responded. And by blew up, I mean, I added an extra five to eight pounds, which was which is huge in amount yeah. when you're, you know, 20 years old, chipping away at trying to add a pound of muscle here and there. So that was the first time that, I, that it just, I went, oh, wow. So this whole theory of, you know, lifting heavy weight is what builds big muscle. No, that's not true. If I've been training that way forever, guess what? It's going to build more muscle than anything else is a new adaptation. So... You know that that's becomes way more important. Yeah, the best rep range to build muscle is probably the one you're not in uh, for that you that you haven't been in for a long time. So, yeah. Justin, you how you doing, buddy? There, there it is. Did you guys hear my dog snoring through you guys talking? Was that your dog? Was that, I, thought, I was like, yeah. I was like, Justin, he passed out. No, dude, I'm out, man. Well, uh, I think yeah. we're done with our questions. We're going to let you get some rest, bro. We, I can't believe we made you even stick on here for a Q&A like that. That's hey, I a bunch of assholes it. we are. None of us give each other a day off, right? Hey, no, man, I'm bored, and I'm glad you guys called, man. I, I hate. I feel like worthless. So hey, you, eat, fun. you eat anything today yet? Did you have any food? No, nah, man, I haven't been motivated. I'll probably do some here in a bit. All right, man. Well, hey, you rest up, buddy. All right, guys, we'll be back in action here. Yeah, get, get, get well because we got to work tomorrow, fucker. Yep, that's right. <laughs> I know. I'm on it. All right, I'm going to be like some cocaine or something. All right. <laughs> I get, uh, later. Later. All right, well, listen, if you like Mind Pump, go to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating review. If we like it and if it's one of the best ones uh, that we see, you may win a free T-shirt. We've given out quite a few. We give out uh, between two to five sometimes a week. Um, also check us out on Instagram at Mind Pump Radio. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal. You can find Adam at Mind Pump Adam and Justin at Mind Pump Justin. And you can also go to mindpumpmedia.com to check out all of our workout programs. We talked about MAPS performance and MAPS anabolic in the in our episode today. Those are both available at mindpumpmedia.com. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support 
And until next time, this is Mind Pump.